My next guest has a PhD in neuroscience. She's the chief consultant for the California State Assembly. Please welcome my sister, Dr. Deborah Cooper. Deborah Cooper, how's it going? Going all right. Good. Good. All right. So, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) That is a very loaded question. (laughs) But short answer is I work for the state legislature. The longer answer is I work in what's called the California State Assembly Human Services Committee. And I am the chief consultant in the committee. So to break that down, what that is, as bills get introduced in a legislature, so bills that get passed eventually become laws. But before they become laws, they have to go through a lot of vetting. People have to understand what's going with it, analyze it, kind of improve it, get voted on. And if they get voted on and passed, then they become a law. So through that whole process, a committee is one of the steps in that process that it goes through, which is where I work, a human services committee. What committees do is they analyze the bills, figure out what are the merits of the bills, what are some of the the drawbacks or, or problematic parts of the bill, and figure out if and how it can be improved. And we make those improvements before it goes on to the next step in the process. And so my committee in particular, the Human Services Committee, basically any bill that has to do with human services comes to our committee. So human services are essentially anything that a person has to do or use for government assistance. So that is what is what we colloquially call welfare, what we call food stamps, foster care falls under human services, social security payment for the elderly fall under human services. And there are a number of different things as well that fall under human services. Basically, almost anything except for Medicare and Medicaid that fall under government assistance fall under human services. So we analyze all of those bills. And then me as the chief consultant, I am essentially the head of our committee. Uh, under our elected officials. So we have an elected official that chairs our committee. But as far as the day-to-day processes of the committee, I'm the, the head of the committee and kind of guide the other consultants in the committee as we're going through our, our different processes. Nice. Okay. That's great. And so now with these human services, you mentioned, for example, welfare or social services. Can you give an example of a type of bill that you would be working on? Yes. So let's think about, for example, food stamps. In California, what is colloquially called food stamps, we call that CalFresh. And so in California, CalFresh, if you are under a certain income threshold, you're eligible to receive CalFresh. A lot of us went to college and everything at different points of time. In 2020, you know, it's very expensive to go to college. And especially if you are in California, the the cost of living is quite high in California. So there are a lot of students in college, whether it's community college or four-year college, that, you know, are trying to pay their way through college. And nutrition is an important factor in education and having the energy and everything to go to class and to pay attention in class. 
but some of these students are struggling even to get the food on the table for them to eat so that they can go to class because they're paying for these classes. And so we have certain bills to try and for those students that may be eligible for CalFresh to maybe put a liaison on different campuses so that, you know, many students aren't even aware that they may be eligible for CalFresh. So these liaisons kind of make sure that for those students that are eligible, they have that information that A, lets them know that they're eligible and B, tells them what exactly to do to get onto CalFresh and get those food benefits. Well, that's great. Seems like you're doing a lot of good work for people that need help, whether it's students, elderly, low income, what may have you. So I commend you. That's great. So let's talk about a typical day for you. I know we kind of talked on the high level of what you do and got into it a little bit of the details, but typical day, what does it look like for you? So... Typical day is not typical, but um, <laughs> right. I can I can put it into different chunks. So we have different parts of the year where different things are going on. So let's talk about the time of year when I have bills coming to our committee that we have to analyze before they go on to the next step. So during that time, our work product and what comes of all of this analysis is we have to write an analysis essentially that is public open to the public for everybody to read about the bill, about all of the merits that we outlined. And from that, we also have what's called a hearing. And a hearing, all of the elected officials, the assembly members who are part of our committee, who sit on our committee, are together. They hear from advocates, from supporters, from opposition, from everybody that has a say about the bill to talk about what they feel about the bill and how they feel their elected officials should vote for the bill. And so leading up to that, I have to provide my chair, the elected official that chairs the the committee, as well as the others with that information so that they can make their vote with the most amount of information that they can. So what that entails is I have to take meetings from stakeholders, whether that's a group that sponsored the bill or just maybe just a group, maybe they didn't sponsor the bill, but they are in support of the bill. And so I take meetings and they explain to me why we need this. For example, the CalFresh bill that I was talking about before, if they were someone who's advocating for a liaison, they might bring in some some college students and say, if only I had had these resources to get this food nutrition while I was on campus, this is how I would have improved. So we talk to those, we talk to people who oppose bills as well, and they give us their information about why they think the bill should not go through, or maybe Maybe they only have opposition as far as we would, we currently oppose the bill, but if the bill were changed in this particular way, you would have our support. So we have conversations with all of these people day in and day out, and that takes up the majority of my day. And from all of that information that I'm gathering from everybody, I get enough information to try and make my analysis that pulls all of that in, distills it, and lets the public know basically all of those conversations that I've had, put that on a piece of paper that someone else can read and understand. Nice. So from what you've said, looks like you're having several conversations throughout the day for people who are sponsoring the bill, opposing the bill, your committee, those who are potentially being helped. So it seems like communications is uh, very uh, important with what you do, your writing skills, your project management, and of course, your expertise in your field. Do you agree with that? Or what skills or characteristics do you think are important to be successful in your profession? I agree with 
all of that you just said. <laughs> I say the absolute number one is communication. And communication takes a lot of different forms. That's being able to talk face to face with somebody is being able literally just being able to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, can you explain this to me? Writing is a part of communication. Not only am I writing these analyses, but I have to write them in such a way that anybody can understand That's what true. I'm writing. So sometimes these are very, very complex pieces of legislation of law that I have to distill so that basically someone in junior high could read it and understand it. And so that's an aspect of communication as well and accurate and pointed writing skills as well. Um, but also just being able to think critically about something. So the one word I haven't used yet, but is, is out there is another word for these stakeholders. Some of them is lobbyist, which lobbyists in general, I think a lot of people think of that term negatively. Stigma, yes. Is it necessarily true? There are a lot of great lobbyists out there. There are a lot of great organizations that have lobbyists. These are essentially what they are, stakeholders. They're advocates. They're advocating for whatever cause. However, because whatever cause they're advocating, sometimes you have to read between the lines and understand exactly what they're saying. And if there are little grains of salt that you have to believe, not believe, or understand in, in certain particular ways. So also critically thinking, not just taking everything that is given to you at face value, but understanding what is really the underlying meaning between all of the information that's given to you. That's great. So now, how does someone get to your position? I know you've had to go through several years of schooling. <laughs> and so just in general, how does someone get to a position that you're in? Well, I took the, one of the most circuitous routes to get to where I am, <laughs> which is not necessarily the, the absolute route to get there. Mm. So I would say the majority of people who work in the capital where I work have come in or started working through some sort of program that got them there. Some of the programs could be fellowship called fellowships. Some of the programs can be called internships. For me, myself, I came through a fellowship program. That particular program was focused on individuals who had received a PhD or PhD equivalent sort of agree in one of these sciences who wanted to either augment their career or switch their career trajectory from science to science policy. There are other fellowships within the capital where individuals come straight out of college. So for me, I needed a PhD to get into the program that I was in. There are others where you only required a BS to get into the program and start working as or have that year experience as a as a legislative aide. There are other programs that bring you into the capital as you're in college and there's a, a fellowship program. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you you receive credits during your schooling. And there are many internship programs. One of there's a nonprofit that I'm involved with that we bring in high school students every summer to have an internship in the in the capital as well. So a number of these opportunities kind of get give you the experience, the the foot in the door in the capital. And what is immensely important from that point on is networking, making those connections, right. meet people as you get in there and you make an impression. The hard work that a person does makes an impression, makes a lasting impression. And people remember that and will talk about that and, and recommend you for the next position. And or when they have a position open, they'll remember you and say, hey, I have something open. Are you still looking for a position? And so it largely is in this environment, an environment of networking and the community that you know who can vouch for you. 
Okay, so that was one thing I was going to ask you. Someone trying to get into this and trying to get into one of these programs, how are they doing that? Is it LinkedIn or is it networking? Is it who you know that's helping them find these opportunities and these programs? For these programs, I'd say it's more they target to whatever population they're bringing in. So, for instance, for the program I was in, they're, they're targeting to graduate programs. For the program that all you need is a, a bachelor's, they're targeting to four-year colleges, some two-year colleges to let people know ahead of time. And some of these people also have master's and law degrees. So it's it's not like you can only have a bachelor's, but you have to minimum have a bachelor's. So they're targeting to, to those sorts of goals. The internship programs, because the internships run the gamut, some are high school, some are college. Again, they're targeting to whatever their population is. Outside of that, for while I said the majority of people come in through one of those avenues, there is a smaller percentage of people that just apply. And so they're finding those on LinkedIn. There are some other kind of listservs that you might be part of or just word of mouth. And and you find that job, you apply and actually end up getting it. All right. So. Let's kind of switch gears. Let's talk about your most memorable moment in your job and some of the things that you just really like about it. Okay. So I will say when I first came, and this isn't my current position, but just, I'm going to say largely working in the state legislature. So when I first came working in the state legislature, I had just left hard academic science and, and moved into policy. And just a quick background, my academic background, my research that I did was on um, researching drugs of abuse. And so when I when I came into the, the first office that I was in in the state legislature, the director of that office knew my, my academic background. And anytime she could, she gave me a project that had a little bit to do with that background. Usually the projects just very tangentially t- touched. But there was one in particular that had to do with opioid treatments for people who are leaving the criminal justice system. And so it, it was just this beautiful blending of my science background and the policy background and being able to to put both of these experiences together into one project. I think that was one of my like shining moments that that kind of spoke to me as like, this is why I'm here, that this is this is what I wanted to do. And this is someone is recognizing my background and my skills and, and allowing me to really shine through. That's great. That's great when you get to that point and you see that that all the uh, schooling, all the work, all the hard work that you put in and you realize that you've come to that point where, okay, I get it now and and I am making a difference. That's great. Now, now being a a chief consultant for our state legislator for the largest state in the union, uh, I would think that there's some things that might keep you up at night. So what type of challenges are out there for you or obstacles? I would say in light of the current pandemic going on, Mm. It it was an interesting transition for the office to be a very much 100% in the office taking face-to-face meetings. You know, we do a lot of collaboration within the office, within other offices, and it's a very hands-on job to moving to a fully virtual, fully away from the office sort of environment and right. me having to be the lead for my office, but also kind of taking direction from the leadership that's above me. It was a very interesting transition to 
be in that position to guide the direction of our office and say, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to operate, but also asking for input and making sure that everybody was comfortable, everyone was taken care of, and everybody knew what they needed to be doing and was comfortable with what they were doing as well. And so I'd say it was it was an interesting transition. It was it was a bit challenging for the first couple of weeks, but I, I commend my team. Um, we work very well together, and I think because of how well we work together in person, we were, we were able to transition that into a, a virtual field as well. Well, that's great. Yeah, this has been a challenge for everyone, but it's great that you guys have taken the steps to get over this challenge, so great for you. Now, we're at the end of this interview, but before I let you go, I would like to ask you some quick hitter questions for fun, so let's get into it. Okay. First one, what's your favorite sports team? Duke Blue Devils. Okay. All right. Blue Devils. Second, favorite movie or show? Oh, gosh, that's hard. Favorite movie between Lion King and Coming to America. All right. Good ones there. Favorite musical artist or group? Uh, musical artist, Janelle Monet. Yeah, I like her. All right. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, Jamaica. Is that Jamaica? Jamaica. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mine too. Favorite food or drink? Favorite food, probably uh, jerk chicken or this Panamanian snack called Carimagnola. Um, favorite drink is a glass of red wine. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, Deb. This has been great. I actually learned a lot. So I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And is there anything else you want to add? And also, is there a way that anyone can contact you for comments or questions? Yeah, my um, my LinkedIn page, I have Deborah A. Cooper, I believe I am on, on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. And I guess my, my one takeaway that I always tell people is basically, it's never too late to change directions or to try something new, I should say rather. It's never too late to try something new. I have kind of changed trajectories and tried something new and blended things a number of times, and every time it's come out better. And it's it's not the same as quitting, it's taking what you have learned and applying it somewhere new. And so I, I encourage, if you are interested in any way of exploring something new, remember you can take all the skills that you have learned from all of your past experiences and, and go ahead and take all of that and explore something new. Yep. That's great advice. You know, people who, who think it's too late and then five years later kicking themselves in the, uh, in the rear end for not doing yeah. it. So <laughs> great advice. Thanks a lot. Thanks for everything. And Absolutely. I will talk to you later. All right. All thank right. You. Thank you everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.